0: If you start this, this is going to be a change in your routine and it's going to affect your relationship somehow. But if it ever starts affecting your relationship negatively, you need to be okay with making your relationship the priority. You can
1: easily bump heads on things. Like if one person has a stronger opinion on one of those things, like it can get stressful. And then suddenly your work creeps into your relationship, like you said, and then it starts to affect at home life. There has to be some kind of balance between making the content and your marriage or your partnership.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host Dave Mays and this is part two of my conversation with Becky and Chris. My conversation with Becky and Chris was amazing and that's why I had to split up into two because I didn't want to cut anything short. The interview was over two hours and I just wanted to make sure that you guys got all the content on Becky and Chris like to remind you guys to please subscribe to the Golden Hour Podcast in your podcast player of choice and leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Player. Alright, without any further ado, let's listen to part two of my conversation with Becky and Chris. So, what like at what point with the YouTube channel and kind of just everything, when did things start to change for you guys and you're like, okay, wait a minute, this is actually making some money, like, this could be a real career for us and uh you know yeah when did that happen and what did you do about it
1: it's really interesting because the blog was actually the first thing where we're like oh this could be like a a little job thing and then we kind of abandoned it for the youtube channel but our channel grew really slow um after vancouver when we started it was kind of just to hold ourselves accountable and was never really going to be like a thing that we thought that we could make a job out of um But when we moved to America, um, I wasn't allowed to make any money from anything but the job that I had applied for my work visa for. So, um,
0: yeah, because as a as a non U.S. citizen, uh, you and you came in because you had a job with the same company I work for. Right. So you're on a TN visa. Yeah. so you weren't a lot you you literally it was against the law for you to make money doing anything other than your job here
1: right so right before we left we were like okay well maybe we can like start putting ads on our channel we had like 5000 no we didn't even have 5000 subscribers i think we had like maybe 3000 subscribers on our channel so um, you could put monetization on cuz there was no caps at that point so we're like we'll put ads on the channel and we'll start using affiliate links and you know we'll just kind of like slowly get into it and then when I came across they were like well you have the shutdown everything you can't have a business you can't make money so that was um 20, 2017 and i had applied for my green card pretty quickly um and that was going to take like a year so oh my god what year is it 2020 i'm getting my like <laughs> timeline really messed we're in up. the time where
0: there's coronavirus know,
1: <laughs> what what day yeah. is it
0: but it is, it is one bc, 1 BC. no 180 no it's like yeah
1: seven ac <laughs> yeah. after corona but um
0: 0. 0.4 ac
1: yeah so I, we couldn't make money off our channel, so we couldn't put on monetization couldn't really use affiliate links couldn't do any brand partnerships so really for like a year and a half we were basically just making content and growing our channel um for for fun like making zero dollars and putting out like one to three videos a week.
0: But when did we start be able to monetize? What, we, how many subs were we at?
1: Well, we were had. We passed 100,000? Yes. We had hit 100,000, and within a couple of weeks of hitting 100K, I got my green card and was able to monetize.
2: Do you think that helps with your growth? The fact that you weren't doing it for money, you were just kind of doing it for fun?
1: I think it might have a little bit. Um, but it was really interesting because when we did decide to monetize after the 100K, we were really nervous. Because so many people had come at that point to a channel that didn't have ads on it. There was zero sponsored content. Everything that they were getting was like our thoughts, our original authentic authentic stuff. And so I was really scared to do my first thing that I was going to get torn over the coals for, you know, quote unquote, selling out, which is really silly because in reality, our audience was super supportive of us. Like they were really happy to see that we were able to monetize and that people wanted to work with us. They were really totally cool about it, um, which was awesome. But it was definitely like a little bit.
0: Yeah, we thought that we we thought it would all come tumbling down because we had created an audience that was 100 percent based on authenticity and zero monetization. And we didn't want to, like you said, alienate them. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, it it was nice because they proved us. They proved it correct that it was about them being they were way more supportive and they like there was so many comments when we announced that we were able to monetize they said oh my god yes i'll put all your ads on i'll watch the whole ad you know bring on the sponsor it was content really awesome. so yeah, yeah it was, so it, was sweet. it was nice to see that and you know it was it was a very um supportive thing to see
2: mm-hmm. yeah you have a lot of creators that watch your your stuff so yeah it's awesome that they were supporting you and i'm a youtube premium subscriber anyways so like i don't see i don't see ads ever so you know it doesn't really matter to me, but, um, and you know, a lot of people do use ad blockers, but (laughs) we won't get into the weeds of that, but, um, that's cool. And then uh, what happened then? I mean, obviously you didn't want that to muddy the waters of your authenticity or whatever. Um, you were able to keep that. And I'm sure you were able to learn that you can still be authentic and, and also make money.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, we're even still like super careful with how much sponsored stuff we're doing and who we're working with. Um, So I guess because we got to this point without it, now we're just like, if a project comes along that we really like the brand or we use the product already, or we'd like to use the product, then we're totally on board, but we're really picky. I think now with what we take.
0: Yeah. It's, we definitely have tried to make it realizing that we started this channel not depending on it as a a source of income we have made the choice to keep it that way and to not rely on it and therefore we never want to be feel like we have to take a partnership because we're gonna have to put food on the table yeah and i think that doing it that way i you know i respect that we're in a very privileged area to be able to do that because a lot of people their livelihood is youtube and that's perfectly fine But, you know, we started off as this being a hobby, and we tried to keep it as much of that as possible. And like Becky said, we're very selective with the brands we partner with, and it's only going to be brands we truly believe in. And I think our audience appreciates that, maybe that's the reason why they didn't all defect off when we started
2: monetizing. I mean, that's the beauty of your, your setup is that, Chris, you're... You have a job, a real job, like a honest to god,
0: not one of those <laughs> fake jobs job. like Becky. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: yeah. you, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm get hey, both I've, you yeah, me. I've always had fake jobs. I was yeah, I can get you and both you guys so.
0: try against me for that, saying that.
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's the beauty of it is is you always you do have that to fall back on, and the the partnership that you have with each other, you know, Chris, you're able to perform and be on camera and and help shoot and be a part of the process, but while you're working, Becky can be creating the content, editing, posting. I mean, it's really just an amazing partnership. And a lot of people, uh, do not have that. So, um, very, very cool. And that's, you know, it's awesome that you guys have been able to pull that off and make it, make it work. Um, and not, and still keep it authentic, which is really important.
0: Well, we've kind of always approached things as a, as you kind of hit on it, a partnership, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be like the screen printing studio that we started, like yeah. that was a partnership. We've always run businesses together.
1: We've always had projects together. I think that things would just get, get bored if we weren't working on stuff together. Like It's a good excuse to like,
0: what the fuck would we do or talk I about?
1: No, I wonder that all the time. Like, what would we even talk about? Just or what would shows you even or something? do? Yeah, we'd just watch shows and pick our nose probably. But,
2: um, <laughs> but honey, you want me that to pick rhymes. your nose?
1: Yeah, but watch shows and pick your nose. <laughs> but yeah, I mean like screen printing studio, like even when I started Bold, like you were still doing some freelance video stuff at the time and the home renovation the blog then the vlog, now whatever we're doing it's yeah it's we've always had the things and now the home renovation again we've always had the things on the go it's fun
2: and the thing that stands out mostly to me though about you guys is your personalities and i mean you can't really do much about that it's something that was crafted by your parents and just <laughs> your whole you life right idiots <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it <laughs> no but i mean they're at now at this point the videos are are really well edited your performance on camera is great you mentioned how one of your early videos chris i think you mentioned how you know boring you guys seemed on camera or whatever i mean what what have you learned about performing on camera and, and do you see your job as a content creator as sort of like an, being an actor or a performer in any way or are you are, are you heightening yourselves a little bit when you're on camera? Um, and those are, are those skills that you've learned. It's funny you should mention that
0: because Becky said the opposite of that earlier today.
1: Yeah. We actually had this conversation like I think last night too. Um, I There was this point when we started making YouTube videos, putting ourselves out there on video. Like I was kind of really nervous to be 100% myself because I was worried that – I don't know what – I guess I was worried that people were going to like hate on me or think I was really weird or
0: newsflash. You're really, weird. I know I'm really
1: weird, but, um, <laughs> I think I was just a- afraid to be like a hundred percent myself or like coming across a certain way. So, um, you know, looking back on some of the older videos, um, you can tell that there's like a part of me that just wants to go all out with my normal self, but I'm holding back because I didn't know that it was okay to be a hundred percent yourself on video. So, um, yeah, I think like watching Shane Dawson and seeing him be himself. And I was like, Oh, I actually really like watching this person who's being themselves and potato jet. Like he, you know, he makes fart jokes in his videos. And I was like, I find fart jokes funny. Like, why am I not? Why am I cutting all of the Chris, stuff? Chris, we're out of our, shifting niche. Yeah. We're gonna be a
0: fart joke channel. We're gonna be a fart channel. joke
1: channel. But um, I was like, oh, fart he's jokes actually like
2: helicopters. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Farting <laughs> in the helicopter ASMR <laughs>
0: channel. Our goal is: anyone asks who are Becky and Chris, <laughs> their one liner is, oh, you know, they're the couple as a helicopter. that make fart jokes. <laughs>
1: But, um, please tell the next
0: person that Dave, next time you see somebody ask you. (laughs) Yes,
2: I will. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) But, you know, I was like watching these people. I'm like, oh, these people don't give a they're just being themselves. I'm like, why am I not, not being a hundred percent myself? So then I stopped giving a and I was just like, I'm just going to let my weirdness out. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, whatever. But, you know, even on social media, like I would never, you know, when we started this channel, like be caught dead without makeup on. And now I give zero f*** and I'm on the internet all the time with no makeup on and I feel like I can't. I can be myself, and, and sometimes women will will write me, and they're like, "I really appreciate that you like come on camera without makeup on because um, it makes you more relatable, and it it makes me feel normal, which is like a really weird thing."
0: That's a great thing to hear, though. It is. It's you know? actually like, really it's nice. It's not to something hear those I've messages. ever thought about until that you told me that.
1: Well, there's a pressure too, as like a woman to like look a certain way, you know. Mm. And I don't look like that, so I just embrace it. I just be myself
0: yeah I don't look like your typical buff man either
1: (laughs) did you say butt man buff buff man (laughs) but man whatever (laughs) (laughs) what were you gonna say about um you said something I said last night I don't remember what I said well you
0: you had the we had the conversation when you said about when you started watching Shane Dawson you realized it was okay to be yourself yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah not that I felt like I was acting but I just felt like I was holding back but now I feel like when we're on camera like sometimes like we hype it up a little bit you know, I feel like
0: when you're on camera, you're going to there's going to be a natural tendency to always have to have more energy, and I think mm-hmm. we always were doing that too early on. It's just that we were, we were more positively and poppy, but we weren't actually being ourselves as far as the ridiculousness that goes on in our relationship.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we were trying to like be something that we thought that we should be on camera, right. Versus just being ourselves. Hi,
0: it's Becky and Chris from, from the, the YouTube Uncuma. channel, Becky and Chris. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 we're just really like cheesy, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so let's talk about the home renovation. Cause you, you've mentioned it a bit and that's such a big part of, uh, another thing that if I were to describe you guys, it's like, yeah, Becky like always renovates stuff and she's really good at decorating. Um, tell me about that and like your interest in interior design and, um, you seem to be attracted to certain colors, um, black, gold, white, green blues. Um, yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah. I love design. I love everything about design, whether it's like graphic design, type design, interior design. I like fashion too, but you would never say by looking at my closet. <laughs> I just love like things like that. But I, I don't know, like I grew up watching HGTV and, you know, TLC and Trading Spaces and Bob Biela's Home Again and New Yankee Workshop and stuff. And so from a young age, I was like really exposed to that. My dad really loves architecture, even though he's a pharmacist, but, um, always had been like really interested in interior stuff. And when I was freelancing, most of my clients were either real estate agents or they were interior designers and I'd shoot their their projects. Um, So like, it was kind of just this natural thing that, you know, working for those types of people. And then in turn, like really liked having our house look a certain way and was really friggin bent on renovations and building stuff.
0: Yeah, it was all her. She sucked me into it.
1: Chris had zero interest in renovations when we bought our first house. And I was like, we must renovate the house.
0: And she told me I could have color-changing RGB LEDs. And uh, all it ta-
1: Honestly, all it takes to get you into something is, like, one idea. It's, like, LEDs. Do i Done. Burnt wood. Done. <laughs> <laughs> How do helicopters well, where, do you get your
2: inspira- where do you get your inspiration from, though, in terms of, like, your your taste and your design style? Because it definitely has its own kind of look to it.
1: I'm a pretty big fan of, like, Scandinavian design and mid-century modern design. Um, so I like I follow a couple accounts on Instagram that uh, I get really jazzed about, but <laughs> it
0: Chris, I really jazzes. So yeah, it
1: really, it really jazzes me up. But um, <laughs> Pinterest mostly um, it really gets my jazz
0: hands going. It does.
1: I, my jazz hands are out right now <laughs> because I'm so excited. But um, I look at the Dwell website. That's probably like the biggest one for me. Like Dwell magazine, Dwell website, Dwell Instagram. It's like a really curated collection. I you of-
0: just referred to the to Dwell's Instagram as. D- dwells website no <laughs> i was no. like wow that was very no, boomer well
1: has a website that has a very <laughs> lovely collection of photographs that you can cycle through based on the room I'm
2: sorry <laughs> but what, one thing that i've one thing that i've learned watching your renovations is that black and like dark colors on walls can actually be doable like you always hear all the time like you need to have white walls or like bright walls to make the room feel bright and blah 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 but like i love the colors that you choose for the walls it's like colors that you don't really see often, like really dark, if sometimes even black on the wall.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I think it's like a com- kind of a common misconception. Like people are really afraid of dark walls, like dark, too darkening a space or making a space look really small by painting walls dark. But I think like if you have windows or if you're like trying to get across a certain mood in a space or if the space is used for a specific use, like say a TV room or a living room or something like dark colors can look amazing, especially when they're paired with the correct lighting. Um, lighting is the biggest thing, like as in video and photography, like even in your real life space at night, whether your walls are black or white, like you should have good lighting in your living room, whether it's like task lighting, like lamps and things, and then like overhead lighting and just being able to turn on and turn off different scenes in order to create this mood inside your house. And then popping a dark color on the wall, like just brings it another step towards either a moody direction or, you know, the white walls for a more airy kind of vibe, But yeah, I'm like a big fan of like the dark spaces.
0: But even when we were developing that sort of style back in, you know, we bought our house in 2011 in Canada and in 2012, we were probably painting the walls of our living room gray. Dark gray. Yeah, which is dark gray. And we, I remember we were talking like, oh my God, is this, is this like, are we going to regret this? Like, Oh
1: yeah, because you'd watch the TV shows and somebody would be like, you can't paint the walls black. Nobody's going to like, like your house or something. It's like, well, newsflash,
0: doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's your house. Yeah. Yeah paint
2: exactly yeah Yeah. well that's a nice thing it is paint. you can always paint over exactly yeah Yeah, it's
1: like a hassle but it takes a day and
0: something else I found too that we like to do is paint the trim the same color as the wall
1: yeah I'm a big fan of that look
0: just to kind of minimize it and you know a lot of times people who if you had black walls your trim would be white white baseboards and they'd be these glaring white baseboards and I think that might look a little bit funny but we you know if we're painting our walls black we'll just paint the trim the same color yeah definitely where do you get all your little trinkets and like the accessories and stuff? Do you, do you
2: do thrifting or just buy stuff online or do you have a store you go to?
1: I mostly buy stuff online. I have like a couple of go-to websites and brands that I look at. Um, EQ3, the website EQ3 being like the main one because they have a lot of like mid-century modern looking um, furniture and stuff and Scandinavian stuff. Um, it's always like really clean and, and well-made, but it's also pretty affordable um, and they ship to uh, the U.S., which is great. Um, they do have stores up in Canada, which is nice. But I really love their stuff. Um, Blue Dot is another website that I like for furniture. They're a bit more expensive, but gorgeous. Um, I hate Blue Dot.
0: Why? Because they send us conventional mail.
1: Oh, I love their catalogs. They're on uncoded stock. Yeah,
0: but it was a principal because it wasn't unsolicited.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure I signed up for them. Are you kidding me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, And I ordered some stuff from the Finnish design shop, which is like, can get it kind of expensive, but they have a a lot of really Scandinavian, like classic Scandinavian accessories, pillows, um, throws. Big fan.
0: I can't believe you signed up for Blue Dot. I thought it was just this like unsolicited thing because all these magazines keep showing up in the mail. I was like, how are they getting our information? I ordered
1: fabric samples. Oh, I see. So then they sent me the catalogs. All right,
0: still.
2: (laughs) And you guys are actually in the process of uh, renovating your basement. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we're kind of renovating our whole house, but right now we're working in our basement studio, and we had this like weird unfinished portion of our house, and we had this one room that we're using for filming, and it was just like getting really tight for making so many videos a week. Like, we're making one video a week, but it was just it was getting really tight, so we just decided to turn this like weird unfinished area into a studio, and it's kind of in progress.
0: Yeah, we we didn't finish it. To the point where it's like a finished room or anything, because there's, you know, like heaters and stuff over, utility stuff over in the, and pa- and the electrical is panel. Ceiling's open. Ceiling's exactly. But, yeah. you know, but we're it's like, a you,
2: studio. It doesn't have to be a real functional space.
0: You got it. Hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. So we're just like, all right, I'll paint the walls, you know, put in a little set, and then when we're filming in it, it'll look fine. Yeah. So that's kind of where, where in fact, we're sitting in it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Becky, have you, have you studied, like,
2: actual set design in Hollywood and seen how they do tricks to make studios look (laughs) like livable spaces but it's really just plywood on on wheels
1: a little bit i've done like some like i guess pinterest research but i've seen a bunch of things where like they've made like fake walls on wheels um and how they like trick certain pieces of furniture to be like closer to the camera but like in real life it's not functional at all it's really bizarre yeah
2: yeah, it's kind of cool. Like when you're building a studio, um, you can really make a lot of hacks and tricks. Um, a friend of mine, Ken Bolito, who we had on the show, he's uh, the cinematographer for Austin Evans, Big Tech Channel. Um, he, has, he They have like a lighting guy and a set designer. And um, they have like backgrounds on garage doors. And they'll just push the garage door button and it'll bring a back ground up and down and then the lights are controlled by um pulleys and things as well and uh they could just pull a backdrop up or like a light up just by using these garage door motors in the sky and like um you know if you want a hardwood floor you don't have to have a hardwood floor you can just buy a hardwood laminate roll up and just roll it down on the ground now it looks like it's hardwood because it's just a video that you can't tell um so, yeah, there's, like, a lot of fun little hacks that you can do with studios because it's not a real actual space. But, um, yeah, I don't know if you ever had any interest in in all that fun, nerdy Hollywood stuff. But
1: Now I'll have to, like, look up some more stuff. Can
0: we get a nice forest streams uh, vignette like my grandparents had on the wall in their basement? <laughs> and we can pretend we're in the forest <laughs> okay. on the stream.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, I bought a but bunch uh, of fake plants for down here because I knew that you wouldn't be able to tell on camera.
0: Yeah. So I posted on
2: Twitter a uh, little AMA and uh, got some great responses here. So I'm going to ask you guys some Twitter questions. Uh, this first one comes from at Braxton. He says, as a creative couple, how do they make sure to m- keep their marriage healthy and on the same page and avoid burnout?
1: Ooh. Um, can I answer this?
0: You can do whatever you want, honey. See, see oh, that? You're so sweet. Autonomy. Um,
1: I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think that because Chris has a day job, it's helpful that we're kind of like not working together all of the time. But um, I lost a train of thought. You got me you, you got me right confused. But Chris like we're also very similar. Like we kind of grew into the same person. And also Chris is very even keel, easygoing.
0: We not only find fart jokes both find fart jokes funny, but we find this the same sounding and tone of farts funny. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, but you've never really been a person to, like, experience creative burnout. Um,
0: well, create, cre- creative creative outlets for me were always the outlet from whatever I was doing for work. Right. So
1: for me, they were a job.
0: Yeah. So it's so a little we do bit differ different. In that, in that respect. Yeah.
1: But in terms of our marriage, I mean, like, like, like we said earlier, like, we just love having projects on the go. And we like, you know, coming up with an idea, like, say, like Cold Island, that series, like, that was something that we worked on. And we did the trip together and we edited that actually together. Chris actually edited one and a half videos out of six.
0: <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> one out of time. Time. <laughs> I did some grading on some of those you clips. Some,
1: yeah, you did. But
0: you had me colouring.
1: You did, yeah. But that was enjoyable to like kind of do that together and work on that project and see it kind of come to life.
0: And then you <laughs> then you got mad because I was like, I've got one week off of work. And, and you I, made
1: one video and I did three and you were not even done your first video and I had to finish it? just kidding <laughs>
2: sorry anyway
0: <laughs> this is gonna end in i think that
2: was the best answer to that question ever it's just that interaction
0: <laughs> <laughs> no but you because i was like oh god i i need to get done with this edit and i only have like two days left to till i go back to work and then i was working like day and night day and night and you were like oh my god this is legend of zelda all over again
1: <laughs> yeah it was i was like dude you, this is your vacation too calm down but then
0: you started feeling bad because i was always working but for me it was a hobby and it was my outlet it didn't seem like work because it was like something fun. But for me, it was work.
1: Well, that's the funny thing too about like our work ethic. Like I'm a very much like work in the daytime person. Like once the night comes, I'm kind of a piece of where Chris works till it's done, even if it's all day, all night with no breaks, like no food. Like he, that's how he works, which is strange.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's how I work too. Yeah. Maybe so it's who's a strange? strange who's the strange one here
0: now, Becky? Oh,
1: me. I'm definitely high maintenance. Constantly thinking about food.
2: i love food same are you a foodie
1: i love food i love eating
2: she's not a foodie though well are i mean like do you watch uh like master chef and uh who can beat bobby flay and those types of shows
1: no i don't i do love watching people cook though but i don't watch those shows but i do like i i love watching denisa prescott and when is harris like does her cooking show i like watching people cook i'm cooking this i'm cooking yeah but i don't you know i don't watch a lot of cooking shows though
2: I love food. My wife's a culinary, like she went to culinary school and is a a pastry chef and stuff. So yeah, we we have a lot of great food in the house.
1: Oh, I bet. That's amazing.
2: Uh, How do you avoid burnout? That was the other question that Braxton asked. Like, is there any specific things that you guys do that keeps you from uh, burning out? I mean, you kind of mentioned how Chris, this is your outlet for (laughs) creativity. And then Becky, I guess just your your workflow in terms of working during the day and taking your break at night. Mm -hmm. Is that basically it?
1: Yeah. I tried to like, well, after cold Island, I was working like day and night and weekend for weeks. And after that, I just decided like by five, six o'clock, I'm going to just walk away from the computer and not edit. And I'm not going to edit on the weekends. It was just like I needed to have the two days and the evenings without it because it was just becoming overwhelming. And I was feeling like I was like approaching burnout. So that's kind of something for me that I just try to keep that schedule. And, you know, of course, if there's like a brand that we're working with, there, where there's like a deadline we had to work over the weekend, especially with Chris working if we had the film. There's no other choice. That's what we do. But um, I try to keep my work and play hours. And if I'm not really feeling – Working even during the week, like if I get up and I'm like, you know, I'm not feeling like very creative today or I'm feeling a little bit off, like I am not afraid to just take a personal day or to go work on a completely separate project. Um, But working on the house actually helps a lot because if I'm like not really feeling like editing, I can kind of go and paint something or work on something in the house and it's still productive, but it's not the monotony, I guess, of sitting down to the computer and editing for hours, which is normally what, what I do.
2: Yeah. Working with your hands can be so, so good. Just get your face out of a screen.
1: Oh, definitely. It's so good. Just, like, turn off your phone, put on some music.
0: Keeping it broad, yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to how we said we have no niche. And we're just, you know, whether it's helicopters, interior design stuff, photo, video, just adventure vlogs, whatever. You Mm -hmm. know, we we try to keep it mixed up like that just so all the projects don't see the same, you know?
2: Yeah. I I think that helps for sure. It's funny you say that and... You guys pride yourselves on it and I think it's worked well, but like any YouTube kind of consultant would say to find a niche and stick to that one thing, like, what do you have to say about that? I mean, have you considered trying to single out one thing or like do multiple channels or have you just kind of come to the conclusion that you're just going to stick to doing whatever the heck you want?
1: I think that it's definitely quicker a quicker pathway to growth is definitely to niche down because you're constantly strategically thinking about topics that are going to get clicks. You know what I mean? Or like what would do really well? Or what do people want to learn that I can make a video of? But for us, like where we started just documenting our life and making a timeline for us to kind of look back on, we just kind of adopted that and got used to making videos like that. And, you know, there was a point where we decided to make some photography and video tutorials because we had experience and we thought that it would be helpful. And then also like a good thing, like when we didn't have a video to put up, we could put up a tutorial and it kind of filled in that, you know, weekly video gap. But um, yeah, I mean, sometimes like when, before we moved, I was considering like starting a separate channel for the DIY home renovation stuff. Cause I was like, does it make sense that we're already doing so much on our channel? Should we start a separate channel? That's like DIY renovation niche. But then it was kind of like, well, it doesn't really make sense because, like, then you're kind of spreading yourselves thin. You're trying to make yeah. content for two separate platforms. Like, you may as well just like kind of go in all in one and then hope that people are kind of coming for you and not just for the the like the content or the topic, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer in. Um, I, actually, I agree with those consultant what those consultants say. You know, if you want to, if your if your goal is to Create a business and make this as uh, grow grow as fast as possible. Then yeah, niche down, and that that's your best bet. But I think you know for us where we started it basically just as a representation of our lives, and we've kind of groomed our audience to expect the unexpected, yeah. <laughs> expect everything. Uh, I think that you know the reason I like to think the reason people come is because of us, and not necessarily. Because they only want to see helicopter videos, maybe some people subscribe because of that, or you know or interior design videos, you know I, I hope that our audience enjoys watching all the content you know as near equally as possible. Um, and I think as long as we have if the product is us, I think that you are setting yourself up for a more healthy long term channel just because your audience will pivot with you if you change your interests or if something becomes not popular. Uh, whatever the reason, you know, if, as long as they're invested in you, then you've basically got them for life, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, at least for me on my channel with Kinetika, it's like there's this base core audience. You can see it in your your view numbers. Like when you're talking about something that's not popping, you kind of have like this baseline number of views and it's like, okay, those are my fans. You see them in the comments. But then like, I got the DJI Mavic air two last week or whatever. And it's just like, of course it's super relevant. It's brand new. I get all these new viewers. And then that video like gets more views than a normal video. And hopefully it's slowly like you have these high like hits and then your baseline slightly goes up a little bit more. Cause now you've gathered more fans, but then you might have a plateau of like this baseline of the same views for a while. And then boom, you have another spike, and then the spike goes down again to like another plateau. But then when you zoom out to like ten years, you see this very slow incremental, you know, line that's going up, and that's that's the goal at least. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And
0: it's funny you should mention that because we were sort of looking. Um, we try not to look at the numbers too much, but you know, we were, we actually were curious, like, what, what are like our best performing videos? So with the exception of the COVID nineteen video, because I think it's a little bit of an outlier, um, our top performing video was an interior design video,
1: which is really surprising.
0: And then we've, multiple of our top videos were interior design videos, but the helicopter videos consistently all have done really well as as well. Mm -hmm. So I think like our core audience is probably like, and and we grading video. So like, I think all the, the sort of multiple facets of our channel, you know, being photo video tutorials slash whatever, um, helicopters and interior design, like those are sort of our pillars and those type videos that really emphasize those um, topics are going to generally do well, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like people will watch other random videos. Like, I mean, I think we had like a string of, you know, more like motivational type stuff, you know, about like, um, you know, just being true to your authentic self and whatever. And they don't really have a topic. The topic doesn't really fall in any of those categories, but it's Mm -hmm. just more so how we sort of achieve where we are at and those ones do okay. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's the core pillars of our, of our brand, I guess you could say that really do well.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, if you change sort by popular, it's actually really, you guys are in a really great position because it is so balanced. You literally have, the very top one is turn your bedroom into a home studio. That's the most views, almost a million views coming up strong. that will be fun whenever that hits that. And then you've got um, a premiere tutorial and then you've got some helicopter videos. It almost looks perfectly balanced. Like you have the same amount of tutorials as interior design as helicopter stuff that's actually really cool so if you think about every video within those three pillars and you make a video within one of those three pillars and you're gonna you're gonna hit it also every thumbnail that worked was very clean it didn't barely had any text on it too
0: interesting i I love how you have our channel up there and you're able to kind of like parse through the numbers and the stats just on the fly (laughs) yeah it's funny because when you look at your own stuff
1: you kind of get blind to it you know like when Uh you when you look at like the top videos and then you look at the thumbnails, it's just like, I've seen these thumbnails a hundred million times. Like you don't even think about.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Kind of, yeah. I think the before and after thumbnail the premier one, how we color grade. Um, I I've seen that pop a lot when you have a before and after, like a side by side, if it's really good. So yeah, I don't know. Do you guys use prompters or do you like script anything at all?
1: We scripted, um, we just did a partnership with Adobe and that was the first thing we ever scripted. And we didn't use a prompter. Well, we kind of did. We're going to get one. So I tried using it. And then it just came
0: off so unnatural for me. I just (laughs) ditched it. And at that point, I had read the script enough times to like sort of know the gist of my video. It helped me because I clearly don't know the words of
1: things. So I needed to read something to be able to like nail home a point that I'm trying to make on a video like that. But it was an interesting experience. I think I'm definitely going to... I think my tutorial shooting could be a lot shorter and tighter if I actually scripted it out, because sometimes I'll record for like 40 minutes and halfway through, I'm like, what the f*** am I even talking about? Like, what, did I, <laughs> what am I even saying? <laughs> and then I listen to it back and I'm like, I call this thing the wrong thing. And then I have to put a title <laughs> yeah. out. But but yeah, yeah we, I, found,
2: I found for like technical videos, like a review or something, a prompter is so helpful. So my workflow is I get the camera, I go shoot with it, film a bunch of vlog footage, and then come back, look at the footage, figure out what my thoughts and points are, write it all out, and then I just read it. And it's so easy because I can say, this camera has a 24.2 megapixel sensor, full frame CMOS from Sony. It's the Mark II version of this and that. Like Those are all things that I'm going to forget. So having it written out with those numbers really help tremendously. But it is a skill to kind of not look like you're reading. And it's kind of a pet peeve of mine to see youtubers that i know use it and i can totally tell and it's like Ugh, this is you can windy. see their
0: but... eyes scanning the lines yeah that's me <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah
0: but um what teleprompter a remote, do you use? Like,
2: i use the parrot one that's just like it mounts to your lens and it you just put your iphone on it it's really easy oh that's is it the one that parrot. um that uh, gerald uses Gerald uses it. Sydney uses it. um, Uh, Jacques? Jacques Slade. Jacques Slade. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's really popular. It's so easy. You could literally go out in the field and use it. I mean, Becky could shoot you, Chris, while (laughs) she's holding the camera and you could have the prompter on it, which is kind of cool.
1: I'd like to get it because I really want to do some like courses, like shoot some courses, but I know me and I would shoot for like an hour and try to make a five minute video. So scripting it would be...
2: I like the the writing process too it's kind of fun like you can take your iPad Pro if you have one or like just your laptop go somewhere where you normally don't edit and just sit and write you don't have to have like the perfect lighting you don't have to you know you could just literally have your computer or your iPad and just write for like an hour or two and then it's kind of a nice way to break up your workflow cuz you could literally sit by the pool or a lake while you write you know it's kind of cool yeah Um, And by the way, like on the high end of things, like Linus Tech Tips, for example, I think he has like six writers full time and he just writes, they write everything. And then he comes in and he'll like make little tweaks and changes. And, you know, that's how people at his scale can pump out a video every single day. And it's like super high quality because it's always scripted. And when you look at television, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, you know, literally every late night host, every single word that they're saying, especially during the monologue is scripted. So...
1: It takes some skills. I'm such a shitty writer. <laughs> <laughs> He'll
2: get there, Just Becky. write it in your own words, you know. Yeah. Um, all right. So at Wadger Catcher, he asks, uh, where do they see themselves in 10 years? Would Chris ever leave medicine?
1: Oh, that's such an interesting question.
2: <laughs> Chris.
0: What do you think the answer to that is, Becky?
1: I think that the answer is that you are, will never leave medicine because you're very dedicated and you spent too many years learning to leave it. Um, and you actually really love it. I don't know. Is that the answer?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like when people, sometimes people use a career to define them. And I think that medicine is really part of me. I've, like Becky said, I've dedicated a lot of time to get energy, get where I am. Um, and I think it would be, um, wasteful to not continue to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a grind at times, but you know, all in all, it's a very rewarding career. And um, I think if even even using uh, sort of job satisfaction as putting that aside, you know, because a lot of times this question has been posed to me as, yeah, but what if the YouTube channel took off? Like, what if
1: what if you could make more money than you made at your day job?
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's it's it seems like everybody puts value on money. Um, and I still, you know, I, I, my answer to that would be, you know, maybe I, if I could take more vacation and, and cut down a bit, then it would be more fiscally uh advantageous to do Mm -hmm. that but i think that you know in the end of the day um youtube from a job security standpoint i feel like if you're making gads and gads of cash on youtube it's probably not a forever situation and at some point that will burn out or fade out um and if it doesn't great but you have to always prepare for it to not be a forever thing because you're a slave to the algorithm and a slave to the masses and if you just all of a sudden become unpopular you're one cancellation away from that (laughs) career ending so um i think that you know even just from a diversification standpoint i would still continue practicing medicine only because it's just the smart thing to do not putting all your eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. but you know that combined with the fact that you know i get immense satisfaction um with my job i you know i i I would never abandon it Mm -hmm. you're really good at it oh thanks you're biased though
2: you're such a great person oh my gosh you do you're a doctor because you want to help people oh my gosh it's not for the
0: money i don't know what? man a lot of my a lot of that was about diversifying my own <laughs> assets and not, <laughs> and, and not being without a paycheck so <laughs> but uh, yes if you want to if you want to make me altruistic by all means look at it through that lens at
2: <laughs> uh, mel Murray one asks becky do you ever fly drones and if so what drone would you learn with i'm a newbie in the drone world
1: Oh my god, that's so funny! So I only learned how to fly drones last summer um, because um, Moment was releasing the anamorphic lens for your drone, and they it was our first partnership video, and they asked us to do it. And Chris couldn't get the time off for work, so I had to go. But I had never <laughs> I had never flown drones. Like uh-huh. in this relationship, Chris does the he flies the helicopters, he flies the drones. And I do all the rest of it. So, no, no offense. <laughs> but no, I I shoot – well, we kind of shoot half and half, but I do the editing and blah, 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 So, when I had to go and and fly the drone, not ever flying a drone before, I was like, uh.
0: Like, realistically, the drones nowadays fly themselves. Well,
1: I mean, we did a training montage, and I kind of, like, learned how to do it in, like, a night. And I was still, like – when I went on the trip, I was still a little cautious. But, like, they were super cool with me being, like, a huge noob and, like, were helping me and just, whatever. But – um. But it was the Mavic Air that I learned on, and you're right. They kind of do. They don't fly themselves, but if you're careful, they're not going to fall out of the sky unless your battery dies. Not like an FPV drone.
0: Even then, they'll la- they'll try to land themselves. Yeah,
1: exactly. So yeah. Mavic Air is nice because it doesn't feel so massive. Like you're going to really f- something up with it. I
0: mean, you could chop. I, mean, people I know up. you
1: can. You chopped your finger the other day. It's true, actually. Yeah, but Well, um,
2: they've come a long way. I mean, I remember I I had the original Phantom, the Phantom One, and I remember. Wow. I think I went through three or four of them because I had a couple just literally just fly away, which oh are so funny, the flyaways. And then I remember I took one up once and I, I took him up. I was on a stage. I was shooting like a magician on stage doing a show. And I took it up and then it just like it just went full throttle up and then the left most motors stopped. So it just did a full flip and then the motors hit again. And so it was completely upside down and the motors went straight down. So it was like a rocket went up, flipped around, went straight down, and just it exploded and like the uh the rotors were flying all over the place, plastic went everywhere. Of course the the GoPro was fine, but like the mount for it just was completely shattered. And that's DJI. So like they've come a long way. Yeah, yeah they I, have
0: nowadays, I mean for a beginner drone, it's just like buy whatever DJI drone that you can afford and they'll all yeah. be the same ease of use to fly.
1: Yeah, like put on obstacle avoidance. Put even up, put on your prop guards if you want to. Take take it slow. I mean, I feel like there's no harm with just taking it slow and doing a couple hours, or you know, even like a half hour every day out in your yard or something. Just make your own little obstacle course or something. Yeah,
0: like if you get if you get in a hairy situation, just let go of the sticks and it'll like just stop, stop. Yeah, and stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only time you're gonna crash is if you it's your inputs from the controller that causes it to crash into something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. John,
2: John Hall asks, what's the next cold Island adventure series that they want to have post COVID? Oh dude.
1: (laughs) We have so many ideas floating around for like stuff we want to do. Um, one of our projects kind of got put on hold that we were supposed to do this month, but we've been kind of taught, I don't know, like you want to go to the Bahamas. I'm not overly interested in flying to the Bahamas because that just flying over the ocean scares out of me.
0: So yeah, that's a bit of a philosophical question that pilots are divided on flying over open water. And it's definitely nerve wracking because if you ditch, you're ditching in water. But the thing that nobody really compares it to is like, what if you're flying over downtown Buffalo?
1: Oh, and you're fucking, yeah. Yeah, and like, if you have an
0: engine failure... Right. You're, you're just would, screwed. I would, I would, yeah, like, if, yeah, you can auto-rotate and have a controlled landing, but if you control landing into a, a building or, a, a wi- you know, wires, mm-hmm. streetlights, things like that, like, that's going to mess you up. Right. Whereas if you auto-rotate into ocean and you have a personal flotation device, your chances of surviving that are higher than if you crash in a a man-made structure in a dense urban population. So so people will always say like, oh yeah, flying over water is so risky. I would never do it without pop-out floats. I would never do, but it's like-
1: I literally said that earlier. I was like, not doing it without pop out But it's
0: like- yeah, but you find pilots in a lot of situations where, like, or even like people flying over densely wooded forest. It's like yeah. you're going down in the tree canopy, and you're probably falling thirty to fifty feet. You're right. Yeah. So it's it, that's true. So the, I don't. I really don't. I think that the the danger of flying over water is is hyped up, um, provided you take proper precautions. So yeah. I'm not opposed to flying to the Bahamas in a single engine aircraft. But, but is no, that
1: the next? Is that going to be the next series? Do you if think? it was
0: up to me, it would be. But I know you do not want to do that. I so. don't really want to do it.
1: I mean, it requires us to do like egress training and stuff, which is I'm not looking forward to that at all.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, so that's not going to. So, so <laughs> that's if the probably qu- not if be question a- was, "What is the next series not going to be?" then that would be the answer. <laughs> 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 no, we we talked about doing some heli camping stuff.
1: Yeah, that's something I'm really looking forward to, because we well we camped for the first time last summer when we did Cold Island out of necessity, and we that was the first time of us ever camping. But now we're like I've been watching a lot of these like survival youtube channels like adventure like bushcraft survival oh my
0: god she's obsessed
1: i'm obsessed with them and not that i want to do that but i feel like a little bit more potentially comfortable about knowing what i need to bring to camp and not get attacked by a bear so i think it'd be fun to like pack up the heli and fly up to canada and just like camp for like a night or two and you know make your fire and i don't know i think it'd be fun
0: yeah i think it'd be be interesting content that we haven't really done outside of the odd time when we filmed cold island
2: yeah yeah,
0: good answer. <laughs> um, related to COVID
2: nineteen, again, um, seems like a lot of people are. It's just on people's mind, of course. So, um, Eldon Yoder asks, "I'd be interested in hearing Chris's thoughts uh, related to COVID nineteen and his work. Uh, not in a long drawn drawn out way, but maybe a few thoughts. That's that's quoted from him. There's only um, one way. That's me always out, so like Chris." Chris.
1: Don't, not a long-winded, like a two-second close notes every video. And then it's like 40 minutes later. I'm like, well, you can cut this up.
0: And go. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> Line. <laughs> Just
2: COVID, COVID-19 and work. Like, what's it like? You know, you're, you're in the thick of it as a medical worker during sure, this sure. pandemic. You know, what's, what's it like?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting because people view the hospital system as one homogeneous entity, and they think, oh, it's either overwhelmed or it's not. And when they see imagery of hospitals being not overwhelmed or not a lot of people there, they think, oh, this is all a hoax and it's okay to go out and blah, 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 we overreacted. But the issue is is that the hospital, is, is it's like a city. There's so many different moving parts. There's so many different departments. And for us, for example, you know, Half of our, as a radiology practice, we do diagnostic imaging. So we take images and we interpret findings and look for disease in patients. uh, As well as I do interventional radiology, which is procedures using image guidance. So between our practice, you know, we have half of our practice is has outpatient centers. So we have freestanding buildings where we do these procedures. We do imaging for diagnostic purposes um and that's usually low acuity stuff that's done you know people don't have to go to the hospital and then the other half is 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 working in the hospital it's more acute stuff more life-saving things so you know we instantly our outpatient practice was just dead so now we've got nobody coming in because it's all elective stuff and so people think oh healthcare workers are not affected by this it's nice to have a that you have steady income it's like no 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 like our our business model is crashing right now we're depending on government loans just like everybody else because our business is not, the volume's not there. So I think no one sees that side of things, not to mention the fact that in order to keep, you know, we, we opt to keep people on the payroll just because their lives would be turned upside down if we didn't. So, you know, everybody's taking pay cuts. It's So it's, it's, it's harming us just like everybody else. Maybe not to the fact that we, you know, we still have jobs we're grateful for. Um, but, you know, we're, we're not coming out of this unscathed, to say the least. Um, but as far as, you know, that's concerned and being in the hospital, the work is, is different and it's changed in a sense that uh, the patients who are coming through are sicker because it's the stuff that only needs to be done. And um, you know, the, the COVID patients. Well, I I only have to occasionally do procedures on patients that have uh, coronavirus. You know, the patients who are up in the ICU. There's a ton of patients with COVID 19 who are extremely resource hungry, it's a lot of work to um, manage a COVID patient just between all the changes, all the ga- donning of PPE that you have to, to just even to go in the room. People are flipping them over when they're on ventilators. All this is really resource intensive, not just for physicians, but for mostly nursing staff or respiratory therapists. So it's it's very taxing for those resources, which have a finite amount associated with them. Whereas other parts of the hospital, like elective orthopedic surgeries, are dead. You know, there's no nobody's even doing those. So it's like you've got a lot of people who are idle, but then you've got a lot of people who are running at maximum capacity. And that's when people see this mixed message. The public sees this mix, mixed message. Mix, the public sees this mixed message where, oh, I'm seeing a lot of people who aren't busy at all. This is like an overreaction. But what they don't see is the people who are, you know, in the thick of it in the ICU who are working, you know, 12-hour shifts back to back to back, and who haven't taken a day off in, you know, however long. And it's it's because there's only certain people that can staff those resources that are in high demand. Sorry, that was long-winded. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it was perfect. I've, I have a feeling that it could have been even longer. If, oh, I can, I, I, yeah, it. I have gone I, on for five hours. Just give me the go. I... <laughs> uh, well, that was great. Um, so I'd like to end this thing out with each one of you kind of giving your advice and just overall thoughts and things that you've learned over the years to somebody who looks up to you, maybe even a married couple who uh, sees what what you guys have done and they want to do their own version of it as uh, as a couple. Becky, I want you to go first. What What's kind of your advice to somebody um, starting out that wants to be a creative, uh, put the, put themselves out there on the internet, and um, maybe even somebody who's a couple, who, who's inspired by what you guys have done?
1: Um, I would say if you're a couple and you want to kind of start this YouTube thing together, and if one or both of you kind of has a day job, don't put too much pressure on yourself and your spouse to perform on the days that you really feel like making a video. So for instance, like if I know that I want to make a a video for Wednesday and Monday night we had to film, but Chris came home and had a really hard day um, and then has a meeting and then he's not done till eight and he's exhausted. Like there's no way I'll put pressure on him to be on for the camera. I'll make the video myself um, because I want to respect, you know, his day and how he's feeling. So something to kind of think about if you're, one of you has a day job or both of you kind of do just to kind of like, play it by ear. Um, sometimes also when you're doing it as a couple, like you have to have the same kind of vision for what you're making. Um, sometimes Chris wants to make a video that's like a little bit off a left field that I'm not really into, but he just kind of takes the reins on it. Same with me. Like if I have a video that I really want to do and he's not really into it, I'll just kind of do it myself. And we kind of compromise on what kind of goes up and who works on what. Um, but the majority of the times that we're on like the same page. But I would say also like don't overthink it. Use whatever gear you got. Practice. Your stuff's not going to be great when you start, but it will get there if you keep putting in the work.
0: You mean you don't like doing FPV drone videos?
1: Um, I don't <laughs> love it. <laughs> I don't love the FPV. So I like the, I like the FPV shots that we get to put in our videos, but I don't love editing the videos that are tutorials about FPV stuff.
0: Which we only have a few of.
1: Right. Which I, th- I don't think you would really like to edit my stuff when I'm talking about like design or Correct. interior design stuff. So Affirmative. Yeah. I, I don't know if that I... was <laughs> a good advice or not.
2: No, that was, that was great. That was great. Chris? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I think she summed it up really well. Um, something I would add would be that, you know, we are very lucky to be on the same page pretty much with everything, mm-hmm. anything major that matters. We're really uh, similar. Yeah. And it, I think that's maybe just because we've been together for forever.
1: Yeah, we kind of like when you're together for as long as we have been, like you either grow into the same person or you grow apart. And we grew into the same person <laughs> yeah, pretty no, much. No, exactly. I'm a yeah. firm
0: believer of that. And yeah, we've been together one for more than half person. our lives.
1: One farting person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We find one, the same farts one person who just loves farts. You
0: love that upward inflection. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yeah. same tone. Yeah. <laughs> same tone. Same yeah. tone. Yeah, exactly. Our farts sound the same. <laughs> no. Right? Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things too where if you start this, this is going to be a change. In your routine and it's going to affect your relationship somehow. But if it you need to be okay with if it ever starts affecting your relationship negatively, making your relationship the priority. Because Ooh, that's good. I feel like if you make if you start a YouTube channel, I would liken it to probably a same level of stress. If it becomes something that's regular in your in your life, it's mm-hmm. the same, probably the same as, as as doing a renovation together. Yeah. And people always say the renovations are the big tester yeah if, if you want to tell if your relationship is going to last do a renovation together kind of thing mm-hmm. i would imagine that a starting a youtube channel and getting serious about it would probably uh, be of a similar undertaking yeah
1: we well, have two people who have different ideas and if you're not really on the same page like and if you've never worked together on a project or anything like that before like you start to see things about your spouse that you don't really know you know the way that they work and they're when they're productive and when they're not productive or like where their strong suits are like chris you're chris is really good at talking to brands and negotiating money and and things like that where i'm not great at that whereas like maybe i'm better at coming up with the ideas and figuring out what video we're going to make next but you know you can easily bump heads on things like if one person has a stronger opinion on one of those things like it can get stressful and then suddenly your work creeps into your relationship like you said and then it starts to affect at home life there has to be some kind of balance between making the content and your marriage or your partnership I think open communication. Yeah, that's key.
0: Yeah. And I guess also the flip side of that is that really, you know, with coronavirus living now, most couples have been seeing more of their spouse than ever before. (laughs) So maybe that is the test. And if they can get through that, then maybe YouTube channel is going to be a walk in the park.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a great way to end it. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. It was a real pleasure for me to get to know you guys uh much more uh we only had brief interactions together so this was uh this was good for me too so thank you so much for being on the uh polar pro golden hour podcast and uh yeah maybe you guys should uh fly over to california and uh, we can hang out
1: maybe that's the next big cold island series oh i
0: told her actually yesterday i was like you know what we're ahead of the hours now we have hours let's to burn let's fly to utah let's fly to like california utah <laughs> arizona and she's like that is so far no it's <laughs> <laughs>
1: so far but it would be fun yeah i'd be down
2: yeah. i don't think your helicopter could do that in one tank right
0: oh no no no! we're talking like 20 tanks <laughs> <laughs> like two week trip. Yeah.
1: well thanks for having us That's on we really appreciate it It was fun to yeah, talk of course All
0: you right. guys
2: have your own podcast right
1: we do yeah you it's called that sure our uh podcast is called tuxedo time it's basically like an extension of our youtube channel it's like these little conversations that we want to have that are a little more long-winded than we can really put into a 12-minute video but we kind of talk about all the things that we're into like helicopters it's mostly like kind of photography creative life
0: it's our same pillars you know plus fart jokes
1: yeah plus there's definitely some fart <laughs> jokes there's definitely some really weird stupid <laughs> funny hopefully funny moments
0: there you go
2: yes yeah, so go subscribe to uh to that show while you're at it if you're a podcast fan and uh if by the way if you've listened to the end of this show then i would say you probably will enjoy their show as well so, um thanks again guys for being on the show and uh best of luck to you uh with just everything going on over there in New York and um yeah, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. See ya. I hope you guys enjoyed this final installment of my two-part series with Becky and Chris. They're an amazing couple, and I learned so much from them. And I hope that I was able to ask some of your Twitter questions. If you guys want to ask questions for a future guest, make sure to follow me at Dave Mays on Twitter. And would you please share this episode with somebody who you think would enjoy it? Next week we have the Everyday Dad on the Golden Hour Podcast. So make sure to subscribe to the Golden Hour Show to get that episode. Once again, I'm your host Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast, brought to you by Polar Pro. We'll see you next time.